Hello and welcome to Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching, a podcast series brought to you by Active Herefordshire in Worcestershire and the University of Worcester. The series aims to inspire and inform aspiring coaches across all sports and disciplines who are interested in gaining knowledge about how inclusive coaching can have a huge impact upon the athletes and the differences and similarities about how it should be approached. So we're inviting coaches to engage with us, take away some tips and see how they feel about inclusive coaching. There are six podcasts in the series covering a mixture of sports, ice skating, football, tennis, athletics, rugby and basketball. In these interviews, we're going to discover how our coaches have adapted and rounded their skills to become more inclusive and what it requires each time they step on the pitch, the court or the arena with their athletes. We'll talk about the challenges faced and the incredible rewards too. This episode is about inclusive coaching in ice skating. Sarah Carter is Team GB Head Coach of Inclusive Skating. Having coached figure skating for over a decade, her team now consists of numerous people of all ages, abilities and disabilities by design. She's grown that team and achieved a lot with them. With her for this episode is Sophie Carter. No relation, but Sophie is a member of that team who's progressed to become an assistant coach and is just starting her journey into what it means to be an inclusive coach under Sarah's stewardship. So, here is Sarah and Sophie. Hi, my name is Sarah Carter and I'm the mindset coach, but I'm also the Team GB head coach for inclusive skating. Uh, and then I'm Sophie Carter, no relation, um, but I'm one of Sarah's skaters. I'm part of Team Carter and I am training to become an inclusive coach. Brilliant. Okay, so Sarah, let, let's let's start with your coaching role. What is it you love most about, about what you do? I think it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but if I had to, it, I would say it's making a change to the skaters that I work with and to their wider community, so their friends, their family, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, just giving them somewhere that they possibly think isn't accessible to them mm-hmm. and then making it accessible. How, how did you first get into into inclusive skating? I... There was, there was a, guy, a guy at my rink and he was leaving the coaching profession um, and he was teaching a little lad at the time. Um, this little lad is now 22. Um, but at the time I was like, oh, he's really cute. Can I teach him? So I kind of took over teaching him. And at the time, the person that was leaving said, oh, you don't want him. He's autistic. And I went, oh, that's even more of a reason to want him. He's, he's really, really cool. Um, and I got to know him, got to know what he likes, what he dislikes, what words I could use and words I couldn't use, um, tones of voice that I could use. I just found the entire thing super, super interesting that I'd never been exposed to that kind of thing before. So having a chat with his mum, we worked out all these different things. Um, he competes, um, he's an athlete as well, so he competes Special Olympics. Mm. And then we figured out, oh, there's Special Olympics in skating as well. And then inclusive skating came through that kind of element we found out about it and then that's how I've kind of I dedicate my yeah. team to that now and and it was it was it was it that child that inspired you to to yeah. pursue that then so there wasn't yeah. really what you were thinking before no no, no. I I mean I joke with him now because he's, he's still a, a really important member of the team now I joke with him and like oh it's a good job you weren't a pain in the bum to teach because this could have gone the other way so you know he's he's a really really cool Cool and, person. And with um, and with what you've achieved so far, what would you say is is, is 
has made you the proudest moment when, as, as a coach? I think from a moment point of view is one of my mainstream students um, that grew up the same time as uh, my autistic guy. Um, he has now gone into coaching and he's also specialised in inclusive skating because he was brought up around it with my team and my mainstream skaters and my inclusive skaters were never taught differently. They were all in the same group lessons and it was kind of just normal. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, it should be normal. Everybody should get what they need to help them get where they want to be. So I think from a, a moment point of view was the first time he had people competing um, at world championship level and we stood rinkside together. And I had my team, he had his team. And just, st- it's making me have goosebumps now, just standing there next to him, just looking at him, I was like, oh, I'm really proud of this. This mm-hmm. is really good. So from a moment, that has to be my top moment. So, so take us a little bit into inclusive skating and, and the coaching of that and how it might differ from what someone assumes is coaching skating. Some aspects are similar. Some aspects are nowhere near <laughs> the same. Um, I can have I can have somebody come in and skate brilliantly one day, and then the next day, <clears throat> excuse me, something's happened in the car journey on the way there, or they haven't been able to have the right brand of water that they like, and the the entire training plan needs to change in an instant. Um, and knowing how to change for the individual. Sometimes I can be on the ice for three, four hours at a time, half an hour individual lessons. And I, I have people with um, high anxiety, autism, ADHD, ADD, and I just love it. But I think to have all those people coming at you, sometimes it, it gets a bit overwhelming and kind of go, oh my gosh. And you do get it wrong, and it's okay to get it wrong. I think the main thing is the fact that you're doing it in the first place and working with the parents that's that's a big difference is working with the parents and not kind of going you've done that side of the barrier and you know I mean mm. we joke on my team that when when you're on the ice I'm in charge and it's up to me when you're off the ice then go find your mom but you know it's kind of it's not really like that mm. is it so it's no. it's a big team environment and that's different to mainstream skating where it's normally just the skater and then mm. another skater and another skater whereas Sophie said earlier on we are Team Carter, and it is a team, and that's mums, dads, aunts, uncles, carers, brothers, sisters, everybody. And when we go out at Christmas, when we go skating on the, the Christmas rinks, everybody gets invited, mm-hmm. and that's that's a big difference. How, how just thinking about it, how, how quickly did you have to learn to adapt? Because it sounds like it sounds like being ad- adapting is 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 very key to this. So how quickly did you have to learn and, and sort of, I suppose, adapt how you approached it? Very quickly. <laughs> um, I have my, my favourite story from when my, my guy was younger. Um, we have a turn called a three turn, a backward three turn. And I said, right, we're going to learn how to do a backward three turn. And he had a complete meltdown. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to deal with that. So we just kind of changed the lesson plan, made it fun, all that kind of stuff. And I found out that he didn't like the word three turn or words three turn. So we called it crocodile turn because that's how the blade moves on the ice um and on on our blades we have something called a toe pick at the front and it kind of looks like teeth um so we called it a crocodile turn so we had to make sure the crocodile's mouth slams shut at the point of turning and for about four years 
he never did three turns, he did crocodile turns. And just that one, just me changing the word didn't change how I taught the step or the movement, but by changing the word, he was able to go, oh, I get it now. I can do it now. And he could do it. Mm. But up until that point, he just, it, it wasn't going in and it wasn't, wasn't because he didn't understand, it was because I wasn't saying it in a way that he understood. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, so, and, and, and that way, you know, is the way we kind of, I suppose, when you're approaching inclusive coaching then, there's, there's so many things to kind of strip back and pretend you don't know, I guess, and go in, and go in with that idea. And again, it's something we hear quite a lot, that idea of the conversation, the group with everybody involved, not just the athlete, yeah. is, is, makes that work. Yeah, it really does, because if I'd not had that conversation with his mum, we wouldn't have known that it was the fact I was using the word three-turn, I was mm. using a technical, technical term. If I'd not had that conversation, we could have been a year down the line and me going, why is this kid not getting this three-turn? And it, it wasn't, it was just a simple fact of he didn't like the one word. I changed the word, problem solved. Where, where does that rank in, in the challenges that you face when you're doing inclusive coaching? Are, are, are there... A, you know, and toughness and things you have to work to. Where does that where does that rank? I'd say it's it is quite difficult because I have such a big team with so many different abilities and disabilities that it's finding what works for the individual and then remembering what works for the individual. Because well, you probably know not everybody with autism is the same. Not everybody with ADHD is the same. There's no one size fits all, um, and just having that personal touch of remembering what that person likes and what that person doesn't like and when I have them all in a group and one likes one thing and the other one doesn't like something then it can be fun because I'm like oh hang on a minute oh and it's it's just one of those you have to know your person you have to know your skaters mm -hmm. and the only way for me to do that is by working with the person that brings them to the building mm -hmm. um so Sophie, t just tell us a little bit about how you've become involved in Team Carter. Yeah, so I started off with the classic, like, learn to skate at the rink. Um, and Sarah was actually my level one coach. So when I first got on the ice in, like, the rink hire boots, <coughs> Sarah was the one being like, okay, and now we're not going to fall over, everyone. Um, and I was with my sister at that point, and the two of us were learning together, and I sort of said hey, Sarah, do you do like one-to-one -one lessons? Because I was 17 at this point. Most of the people there were about eight. Um, so I was sort of like, I kind of want to keep moving through. Like there's a lot of very small children. And Sarah, do you, you know, do private lessons? And Sarah was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like we'll sort something out. And then I just, I fell in love with the sport. And because I was having those lessons with Sarah, I sort of joined Team Carter. And as the years went on, I've become sort of more and more involved. Like, um, I've started to learn to coach. I've started to work on like choreography with some of the groups, um, just because I find Team Carter especially, everyone's so lovely. Like, and everyone always says that about their groups. They're like, oh, they're so nice. But it was one of those, you step straight in and Everyone wants to know how they can help. Sarah, when you bring a group together, how hard is it to build and instill that idea of, of you know the team being together? Because Sophie talks about it so well, there about that feeling she gets from the team. But that starts with with you, I guess. So how do how hard is it to instill that feeling within a group that 
you know, may not know each other to start with? How, how do you do that? For me, it's the fundamental thing of being a coach is making sure that everybody knows that they are safe and everybody knows that they can speak to anybody else in the team and somebody will help. Like we have a WhatsApp group and if somebody puts a question in there, I know it doesn't have to be me that answers it. And by the time that I've seen it, by the time I've got off the ice, nine times at ten, three people have gone, oh, you need to do this. Mm. And it, the problem yeah. is resolved. Um, and I've purposely structured my team from the day one of me coaching, purposely had that atmosphere and that element of this is a team. It's an individual sport, but it needs to be a team environment. And, you know, like Sophie said, everybody helps everybody else out mm. and especially when, when we do do in-person competitions every single parent knows that if a skater comes to them and says have you got a safety pin have you got a plaster have you got a sewing kit then it's their job that they have to have those things on them and they just go yes and they just deal mm. with it you know there's there's been dads in the past that have suddenly learned how to fix bra cups at the competition <laughs> silly things like that but it, it's it's what builds the team and then you know we all tend to unfortunately the last few years we haven't been able to because of covid but we always go for christmas lunch or we always have a christmas party the last party was nuts <laughs> yeah we had indoor indoor snowballs possibly won't do that again but <laughs> it was good fun but possibly not again okay. um but just to have that element and to have and and do you but do you is that part of what you do in identifying the people in you know because like identifying the different skills within a team, and yeah. and making them work to the to the team's best you know ability. Yeah, everybody has their own kind of responsibility, but it's it's not said as I need you to do this, I need mm. you to do this. It's just sort of known that the team help each other, and when I when I choose who I'm having in my team, I'm very, very lucky that I get to choose who I have. And there have been people that have wanted to come and join the team, but I kind of look at, I look at the, the skater, I look at who brings them to the building. And if I don't think that that person will fit within my team dynamic, then I will help them to the best of my ability to find a different coach, mm -hmm. but I don't take them into my, I mean, it would be very easy for me to just say, oh, well, yes, that's going to be additional money coming in. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. But if they're not going to be part of my team and have the same work ethic as the rest of my team, then I can't have them within well, the team. Well, um, is, it, is it worth ethic, uh, work ethic? Are there other things that, that you will kind of, <clears throat> look, you know, you look for to come into a team? You know, I suppose as a coach, you set those, you set those non-negotiables and yeah. then you look for those with someone looking to join the team. So it's work ethic. What else is it? I think a lot of it is to be able to have empathy for everybody else in the team and to, to just be a team player. It is an individual sport. But I think if you don't have the backing of the people around you, it very quickly becomes something that you don't know what to do if it goes wrong. And if, you know, there's, there's, there's been days where I've had people at the side of the rink crying because it's not gone right. But within five five minutes... There's somebody, a mum, a dad, a carer, another skater, there, so that they they know they're not on their own. And yeah. I think that's that's the biggest. Is is it is it even more important in inclusive sport to do that kind of looking beyond the athlete? Yeah, always, 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 always. For me, it's person first, and then everything else second. So whatever that person needs, 
to get to whatever they want to be doing. Because not everybody wants to be going to World Championships. You know, I've got some members of my team that they still go down the test structure, they go down our plan of the year, but they never compete and they don't test. And that's completely fine. If they want to, they want to. If they don't, they don't. Even my ones that I've had, I've had one, one of my girls for about 12 years now, 13 years, she's never wanted to test or compete. Every single time an opportunity to test or compete comes up, she gets told about it. Because you never know when she's going to go, actually, I think I will. And that's entirely up to her. Hope you are enjoying the Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching podcast so far and taking some inspiration from our guests. We'll get back to that conversation shortly, but we just wanted to make you aware of the other episodes in the series. There are going to be six interviews with the different coaches, plus an introductory episode where we sit down and discuss all of the coaches' chats with the people behind the podcast, the Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire Partnership and the University of Worcester. The introductory podcast is out right now. But you can also go and listen to the conversation we had with Tom Reeves, who coaches a mixed ability rugby team. He feels the approach you need to all your athletes is one that should be applied everywhere. Do you know what? All good coaching should be inclusive, whoever you're coaching. If your coaching is not inclusive, you're doing it wrong. And that doesn't matter who your audience is. Um, Because if you're all, you know, if they're all able-bodied and they're all men and they're all 15, you've still got a squad of, I don't know, 20, 30 people who are all different. They have a lot of similarities and maybe more than some other things, but they are all different. They'll have different fears, they'll have different objectives, come from different places, have trained and learned for different amounts of time. So it has to be inclusive, and I think that's changed in me. I've, I've, mixed ability sport, mixed ability rugby has changed me as a person. Remember, you can find more details and links to all episodes at activehw.co.uk or just search for Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching. For now, let's get back to this podcast. Does it mean you kind of have to manage your group size as well? Because you can only really know so much about so many people as, a, as, as an individual coach. Yes, um, I do have to manage my group size. Um, we're quite, it's quite a big team at the moment. There's um, 25 athletes in the team at the minute. But that's where people like Sophie come in for me. That she's shown an interest in coaching. I kind of tweaked around a few of the group lessons to kind of go... Can you just do that for me, so? Can you do that for me, so? Just to see, almost putting her in at the deep end, just to see how she would react with it, how she would cope. And then knowing that she dealt with it brilliantly, and there have been times where she's picked up stuff that I've not noticed, and I've looked over and been like, oh, she's dealing with that, cool, all right, carry on, and mm-hmm. give, her the, give her a little look and be like, you okay? And she's like, yeah, I got it, I'm cool. <laughs> and having people like Sophie in the team, for me, is an absolute game changer, knowing that, I trust her with my team. Yeah. What, what's, that, what's that been like, Sophie? I know it's not been very long, but what's that been like going from kind of making that transition from participant to coach? Um, it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it. I enjoy, like, part of my job. I work with kids. Like, I've always had this interest in coaching and teaching and what that means sort of to an, an athlete now. Um, it's been challenging at times because you're sort of, you explain it one way and the person goes, I don't get it. And you have that moment of, oh God, how am I going to change what I'm saying? How is this going to work? Because I thought my explanation was dead on and they just don't know what I'm saying. Um, but you find a way around. And I think 
it's almost like on the job kind of learning and that in itself is so helpful because as Sarah said especially in inclusive the athletes are also different there's no real kind of you can't just sit read a textbook on how to coach and be like right I'm gonna now be able to deal with everyone because if I did that the first time I got on the ice the first time I spoke to someone immediately it would be like this wasn't in my textbook especially because like inclusive isn't the go-to a lot of the time it's very much like right how hard can we push athletes how far can we go and inclusivity sort of gets left behind in the kind of desire for top top athletes um so if you sort of went into like a a coaching thing and said well my athlete doesn't want to do that because they can't handle it and they or their disability doesn't allow them to do that it would sort of be a well that's what they have to do that's what we do in the sport it's like but it doesn't have to be and I think that idea of it doesn't have to be is what I've learned through sort of starting to coach is sure you get thrown in the in the deep end but you have that relationship with the person you're working with like Mm -hmm. if you say to them look I actually don't know how best to help you with this, explain what you're doing to me and why what I'm saying isn't working. There'll be a moment in that where you're like, oh, that's it. Like they've misunderstood me or I just need to change my words there or they actually know what they're doing. That's their effort and that's gonna be the best they can do it. And I should be really proud of the fact that they've achieved it by themselves. And I think that's sort of the thing that I've learned is things, don't always match up to exactly the textbook definition of what coaching is and how it should work. But that doesn't mean people are doing the wrong thing. It no. doesn't mean they aren't trying. Comes back to adaptability that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Sarah, you, you also work in NLP yes. and mindset. Yeah. Um, how has that fed into what you're doing coaching-wise? It's, it's fed into it without kind of realizing a lot of the time um i retrained in 2020 when the rinks were shut um so i kind of didn't want to waste that time no wanted to do something else um and have have a really good friend who is an nlp um trainer so i i decided i'm going to give this a go i'm kind of interested in it and absolutely love it it's on a par for me with skating coaching how much i love it um i had some of my guys uh, when we were allowed to go back into the buildings, some of like, my guys physically couldn't m- get themselves to walk into the building. So there's some NLP techniques that I did. I did some work with them. Uh, and those those people have handed in their videos for World Championships this year and they won gold medals last year. So for the fact that I knew how to do that and how to get them back in the building is a massive thing. And mindset and overcoming certain things that you think oh I, I can't do that there's no way I can do that and then a couple of weeks later having done the work they're like oh my god I'm doing it and I didn't even realize that kind of stuff all the time and like I, I film little snippets of, of mm-hmm. them all the time doing little bits and then sometimes if they're having a bit of a down day I can send them like well this time last year you'd have been over the moon doing what you did this morning here's what you were doing last year here's what you did this morning and they go oh my God, you are right. And having the, the skills and the NLP and the mindset coaching behind me to mm. do that and bring it into the rink 
I, I just think is so helpful. How much do you find that with, with uh, inclusive athletes, the, the need for those, the ways to help build confidence is, 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 a much, is much greater? How much is that? There's a greater need for athletes to need that confidence boost. I think, I think there definitely is. I think between my mainstream skaters and my inclusive skaters, on the whole, I tend to find that from a confidence point of view, my, say if my mainstream, mainstream skaters started at like a 5 out of 10, my inclusive skaters are generally starting at like 1 or 2, purely because a lot of them for most of their life have been told, oh, you can't do that, oh, you can't do that, and oh, maybe don't try that because you might not be very good at it. Or, you know, and like... My my guy that I was talking about before, his original coach had told his mum, if we can get him to go backwards, I think that's going to be his limit. But if you go to his house now, down their hallway, you can literally run your fingers down all his medals and the entire hallway jangles. He's he's world, world champion, God knows how many times over now, I've lost count. Um, and he's he's got world records to his name in lots of different disciplines within the sport. Mm. But his original coach said, if we can get him to go backwards. So I think me having the mindset side yeah. behind me mm-hmm. enables me to work with skaters like that. Yeah. And also to work with the, the parents or the carers, the people that bring them into the building, because they've also been told, your child's different. You, you know, that if we can get them to do this, then brilliant. And a lot of the time, I find the parents are quite shocked when they say, oh, just to let you know he's autistic or she's got ADHD sometimes I have to rein in because my first response is oh amazing they're going to have inclusive skating and the mainstream side to go down and it confuses them sometimes because I get excited and like oh yes get in we've got another one for the team um and they're not used to that they're used to kind of going oh I'm really sorry to tell you um and for people to go oh I don't know how to react to that I don't know how to answer that okay whereas I I mean, Sophie's the same as well. We just kind of go, oh, yes, cool. All right. And like, let's find out what you need and let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's get you some medals and let's do this kind of thing. So um, for, for coaches coming into any kind of inclusive sport, but I know we've been talking about skating, but any kind of inclusive sport, what sort of advice would you give them? Maybe what sort of bits of advice have you given to <laughs> Sophie? Just take us through <laughs> some of those that you, that you would give to those coaches. I would say... Remember, it's all about the person, the athlete. What do they want? Not what do you want as the coach? Because you might say, I want 10 gold medalists. It's about what that person wants. And if they don't want to compete or test, then they don't compete or test. If that means that they go through slightly differently and a different time scale, then that's up to you as the coach to work that out and make it work for them. Um, But I think for people getting into inclusive coaching I just say just do it it's mm. so much fun and some the the stories that we have or like mispronounced words and things like that are just amazing I would not change it for the world and to be able to bring people like Sophie on board she's clearly got a passion for the sport she's clearly got a passion for coaching and she's very good at it very very good at it and for me as a coach to be able to literally go here are five of my skaters, please choreograph a whole routine and I'll see you in an hour kind of thing. And she does it and it's, yes, I, I do throw in at deep end sometimes, but she always knows that I'm there and if she needs to come and ask a question, she comes and asks a question. 
And for anybody getting into inclusive skating or inclusive coaching in general, I would just say try not to be fearful of it. And Sophie, what would you say to someone who's who's at that stage, maybe where they're participating, but they're thinking of going into coaching, especially if it's an inclusive environment? Yeah, I'd say in the end, it's you you can do it. Like it's it seems like a big thing when you're suddenly like, oh, I'm going to be a coach, you know, like suddenly I'm in charge. But the things that you sort of take for granted, especially in your sport, the little skills, things like that, that's where you begin. Like that's where you start. And especially with inclusive, they're people too. Like Sarah said, in the end, you all you're doing is coaching another person. Even if you did that with sort of mainstream athletes you'd have to do something different for every single one mm-hmm. that's just how coaching works that's the importance of tailoring your coaching to your athlete you would do that naturally so with inclusive there might be a bigger gap in what you sort of expect to do and what you end up doing but there's still that element of you are teaching someone a skill that you know how to do you just have to help them understand what you're saying and what is going to work for them like there definitely shouldn't be this fear thing of oh but it's inclusive I don't I've never done that before I don't know what to do it's the same as any form of coaching you just have to look at what your athlete needs and change what you need to do for it guys thank you very much thank you So there we have it. A huge thanks to our guest and of course to you for listening to this episode of Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching. Remember, if you want to know anything about the Coaches Academy or get more support on your coaching journey, then go to the Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire website, which is activehw.co.uk. We'll see you soon.